0: Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to this bonus episode of Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, here on Joe, together with Guinness. Earlier on today, I caught up with Andrew Conway. But before that, we're going to show you this bonus interview that Robert Hanrahan did with Brian O'Driscoll.
1: Honestly, I can't actually stand over the quality of the Andrew Conway interview just yet, because I was telling lies, we haven't met him yet. But we will, and it will be good. I'd say so. Yeah. Penguin
2: noise. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're listening to Baz and Andrews' House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Brian, let's get straight into it. Uh, this is the 20th year of the Six Nations, and of course, that was your first year coming in in 2000. Um, very different Ireland squad. It was maybe a mix of the kind of old amateurs and then young lads like yourself coming through. Can you tell us a little bit what, what that dynamic was like? Uh, yeah, I think
2: first of all, I think there's always so much excitement around the, the Guinness Six Nations when it launches. I think we're the, it's the envy of of the world mm. uh, from a from an international competition, an annual competition, and it's, um, it's such a tough competition to win. And I go yeah. back to you know when I came in initially in in '99 and then properly in 2000, Ireland wasn't in a great spot. Um, we had had a really disappointing 1990s mm. um, and it was the beginning of, of that new crop of players coming through and And I think it's just about marrying the old with the new, you have to hold on to a certain amount of experience but then bring through that new blood um, to be able to play with the freedom that only young people can, so mm. I think that's what Andy Farrell is looking at in, in this um, six, um, six Nations and um, And i'm sure he'll
3: get that that you know combination right yeah you talked before about leinster pre michael checker of getting changed in the back of cars and the boot of cars and and was there any kind of a was there that kind of element to irish international rugby back then which maybe seems so alien now Uh, yeah well you look at the quality of the training pitches that we would have trained on um
2: you know out in nace even though they were giving us their you know their their first pitch, you know, in the depths of winter, it would have been badly cut up and you would have been moving around at different times trying to find the best track within close proximity of the hotel, where that's all changed. now you look at the the quality of the training pitches, be it in Carton House or the new training facility, um, you know, the you know, indoor full, you know, full pitch where mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what weather there is outside. Those sort of things definitely enhance your performance and give you an opportunity to prepare a little bit better. So. Yeah, the game has come an awful long way in twenty years' time. Um, well, I was only you only turned professional in '96, mm. um, so it's still relatively much in its infancy. But yeah. the progression has been phenomenal, and now I think we're a, a very professional
3: outfit here in Ireland. Mm. Your first Six Nations in 2000, you scored with tries against Scotland and Italy. But I think what every Irish fan remembers is that hat trick against France. Is that something? that must stand out for you, when you think about it, is there one of those three tries that maybe stands out to you in particular? Um, I think the third try is maybe the one that stands out
2: because it was the important one that got us back in the lead. Um, the others were just keeping us in the, in the hunt, but then you know, the third one, I suppose I didn't pay much heed to the fact that it was a, it was a hat-trick. I, I just knew that we were back in the game, and it's not somewhere where Ireland had, had really been in the game on 60 70 minutes for the previous 25 odd years (laughs) we were usually blown away and um and um finished comfortably second in a two-horse race where all of a sudden we were in the mix and we had a chance of doing something that we'd really struggled to do for a long time so yeah i think the the seriousness of the occasion probably hit me on that
3: third one yeah the cycling 43 years to 2009 i think it's not only a great Irish moment in the Six Nations but just a great Six Nations moment was Ronan O'Gara's drop goal what are your memories of that like being on the pitch like you're looking up at the clock obviously and there was a a Wales penalty to come and everything else but when that went over was there a beginning of like okay we're going to do this or was there like right we've only got three minutes on the clock now to see it out Um, when it went over I think we thought yeah well geez we're, we're you know
2: we just have to be able to see it out now and and. All you can think about is that next moment is trying to regather the kick-off. There's every likelihood that they're going to go short and try and regain the ball back themselves rather than kick deep. So you know the things that are likely to come at you and then to be able to deal with that pressure situation. It's miles easier playing than it is watching in, in those uh, environments. Um, and then when they did get the ball back, it was just about trusting our defensive system and trying to talk to one another about not giving away a penalty. Mm. And alas, we did. And then I thought, you know, God, what what a kick in the teeth that is. Mm. Um, We'll still win the championship on points difference, but it'll feel like a hollow victory um, because we want that elusive Grand Slam. And thankfully, the kick went a metre short
3: miles easier playing than watching that's really interesting so is it just the fact that you're in the zone or is it that maybe as a as a spectator you, you get to see so much more of what's well,
2: you, happening you, you can't have it can't have any effect on the game as a spectator whereas um, as a player you know you have ownership of what happens and yes it's a team sport but you know you're a link in that chain to be able to get the get that job done and be it you know you can make a tackle or you can have a, an impact in an attack that could be the difference between winning and losing a game and, and having that control is something that I've missed as as a uh, you know as an injured player or you know less so as a, as a retired player but certainly when you know in your throughout your prof- professional career when you haven't been able to play a game for one reason or another mm-hmm. it's a tough place to to, to be and the stresses are f- far more accentuated in the stands than
3: they are out on the pitch for sure. One man who has to, I suppose, get used to that for the first time in a long time is Rob Kearney. He hasn't made the Irish squad for the first time in a long, long time. You shared a lot of big days uh, in green and in blue with him. Um, he kind of, I suppose, after such a decorated international career, may have played his last game in an Irish jersey without any kind of fanfare. Yeah, and
2: I think if you look at the common denominator for all of Ireland's success in the last ten or eleven years, it's pretty much been him. Um, you know, both New Zealand Test matches, win series, win in Australia, Grand Slams. Um, you know, big performances against England. He, he's been there for nearly all of them, and um, you know, to have that rock at fullback and an ability to. Beat that first line of, of defense in counter attack as well. Maybe he now, you know, more recent years, hasn't been lauded the way he should. He should be. Um, he's you know one of Ireland's great full-backs and one of Ireland's great players. And you know I think the most decorated. I think he tells the lads in, in <laughs> Leinster the whole time he's the most decorated Irish rugby player of all time. But the reality is he is, and that's um, tough at at ninety eight caps to to yeah. be kind of what appears to be frozen out or, or to be not selected and, and that can't have been easy to take but god he's had, he's he's produced many many big days uh, and many big performances particularly when there were doubts around him so you never know he might get another opportunity over the course of the next six or seven weeks with mm. with the need for experience or through injuries so and hang in there and stay fit and, um, and stay positive if you do get that chance.
3: Yeah, and we've seen that, I suppose, with the likes of Devon Toner and Jack McGrath coming back into the squad. But what interests me about Rob in particular is that as a specialist 15, they're so rare now. Like, of the 16 backs that Andy Farrell picked, I think seven of them can play a fullback, but none of them are a dedicated fullback, maybe. Will Addison is probably the only one who plays there week in, week out. Mm. Is it going to be a case of maybe eating bread is soon forgotten and we'll only realise how important Rob Kearney was to Ireland, he he's not there. Yeah, and sometimes it is, you know, you're not fully, um, with, with some players, you,
2: you know, something you're not full out, fully appreciated until you're gone. And so, you know, what, what, um, what's missing? Um, you know, he, you know, his ability to dominate the air, I think any player will struggle to, mm-hmm. to be as impressive in that regard of his game. And when, when the game goes to a more kicking focus, um, that's you know where he came into his own um, but defensively very very solid as well grass ability to cover grass in the in the backfield I don't know to any other 15s who were capable of playing uh, the way he did uh, so um, yeah I think there's a lot to be thankful for we had you know great years and great memories with him um, you know he's 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 still in there um, the issue is as is being a an out and fullback is—you're you, not a brilliant twenty-three um, yeah. man player. You know, it's either you're in the starting fifteen or you tend to be on the periphery, a bit like a, as a night and night thirteen. So, um, yeah, listen, he'll—he'll he'll keep his fingers crossed that another opportunity will present itself because I'm sure he's got future Ireland aspirations.
3: Still, mm-hmm. he's a—he's a hungry guy. One final question. Then. This will be going out on our. Uh House of Rugby podcast, um, which is, of course is Jerry Flannery and Andrew Trimble, two guys who you would have shared quite a lot of time on the pitch. Uh, my question to you is is that if you had to room with one of those two, or if you could, I could choose which one, who would it be and why? Of Fla and. Fla and Which both, one would you not want to?
2: <laughs> both very different. Um, I think both would be. I, I'm, I'm probably expected to, to bag both of them, but I don't think I can. I think both good conversationalists, both mm-hmm. quirky trims has really come out of himself the first um since retirement or even since he met anna i think that was a you know revolutionary mm-hmm. experience in his life um so yeah both give good value both say it as it is probably flies a bit more skating or a bit more cutting <laughs> but that's okay too honesty is the best policy Um so it's a toss-up i i think can we get a three bed in there?
3: <laughs> we
2: might be able to sort something out. Yeah.
3: Brian, thanks so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate nice it. One.
2: You're listening to Baz and
1: Andrews House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. I'm here with the very energy conscious Andrew Conway, uh, ambassador for Pinergy. Trying to sell Pinergy to us very quickly.
0: So Pinergy is doing free Fridays throughout 2020, so you can, if you're a Pinergy customer, you can charge your car free of charge on Fridays, and
1: it's pretty impressive. Very good, yeah, yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah. You've obviously done a few of these before. Yeah, heavy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, So welcome along to Baz and Andrews, House of Rugby. <laughs> Thank you. A household brand, I'm sure you're familiar. Oh yeah, big yeah. fan. Um, tell where's, me, where's Baz, sorry? Uh, Baz had to get back, uh, the twins have an appointment. Ah, yeah. fair <laughs> enough, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Tell me, what way does this work? Because I've been here a couple, a couple of things. Like, it was Raj last week. And how early are these appointments set up? Or is it the case of you play really well at the weekend? And you say, right, I want some, <laughs> I want some interviews. <laughs> I want some work on Monday, Monday morning. morning? <laughs>
3: away.
0: No, no, it's not. No, because even it was set up a couple of weeks ago and then you're thinking, lean to the end. Geez, I hope, I hope Saturday goes well or I'm yeah. going to have to come in and be talking a lot of rope on, on
1: Monday morning. Uh, no, so it's a couple of weeks out. So give me a bit of time to prepare. Yeah, Grant. Well, perfect timing. Anyway, um, geez, things went well. We're mm. we're flying again.
0: Uh, yeah. See, I don't know about that. That's that's the the danger where you think you're you have one you have one good win. Now we had a good win against Scotland. That was kind of undervalued because we played against a sticky Scottish team that made made it look ugly. Uh, and that's that's what they're good at. And now we beat a good Welsh Welsh team. Um, and we're now we're now back flying, so I don't necessarily agree with either of those narratives they're both uh they're, you have to remain somewhere in the middle as you know without getting too far ahead of yourself after a good win or getting too down on yourself after what was a good win in, in the first game, but it didn't seem to tick a, a lot of people's boxes in the media um so yeah listen it, it's been a good start it's been two two tough games, two proper test matches and and two
1: wins, so we'll take it yeah, and then obviously a bit of. Momentum for the team, but you know, for you personally, a nice bit of momentum. I think uh if you start this weekend or next weekend against England, that'll be your third. The, the first time you've ever started three Test matches mm. for Ireland in a row, I believe. I haven't what done is, the what research. Is, what a stat! I haven't done the research. I just get spoonfed that.
0: Dolly's <laughs> <laughs> anyway. already asked that today. That's a that's an interesting stat as a 28-year-old. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. That's. I wouldn't be too concerned with uh, looking at how how many consecutive starts I'll have. It's um, if if I get the opportunity to play, obviously it would be brilliant. But um, there's there's obviously a bit of time to go before those decisions are
1: made. Yeah, but it's it's a sign of kind of of how you've gone, and you you look over the last two games, you've looked more and more comfortable, even throughout um, the World Cup friendlies, gone through the World Cup, any opportunity you've got. You've gone really well, and just looks like you're you're kind of brimming, brimming with confidence, and then mm. getting selected again. Mm. I, I mean, uh, you're bound to be quite confident that you're gonna I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. Yeah. You're confident you're gonna be selected again, but you know it just looks like things are going great for you, and you seem to be kind of feeding into that confidence as well. You're playing with. Um, with your tail up. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's uh, a lot of work
0: has gone into it over the last few years, not just kind of since the World Cup, but or since the pre-season, but over a probably four or five year period I actively changed my approach to to rugby and put more of a holistic uh, effort into getting better and um, and I think over it slowly but surely you start see, seeing a couple of results here, a couple of results there and, and then you, whenever you get opportunities you're ready, you're, you're as ready as you can be to take them and, and then it's not down to you, the player on the day, to, to, to take them and um, just got to keep doing that and keep growing and keep working hard and keep enjoying my rugby and that's, if I do that then you're on, you're on the right track I suppose.
1: Yeah, so more holistic approach, what does that look like practically?
0: Um, doing a few bits, meditating, uh, doing a few, writing down a couple of affirmations to kind of make yourself accountable to uh, to have the work rate you need or you want to have to,
1: to, continue, to continue to excel. Yeah. So did you, did you sit down with someone? Did you create a plan? Or did you just kind of discover this is working for me, that I feel good going in? A, bit of, a bit of
0: both. I can't actually remember how I kind of got it, around into it. But Andy mm-hmm. McNulty was... Um, was really helpful along the way bouncing ideas off him uh, kind of i learned kind of found found it a bit myself uh used you, you end as a sounding board to kind of give me a bit of direction in in, in that side of things obviously he's vastly experienced and he's a, he's been of a nut job so he was he was a good man to to, to talk to uh, and then just talking to teammates having chats with guys along the way seeing seeing what me sharing what i'm doing getting ideas off what what other guys are doing and then putting them into practice some some stuff is crap and you leave it at that and then other stuff go okay i actually feel feel better off that i feel if i do a bit of meditation i i feel good so then that you'll you'll find different avenues then
1: to to keep adding yeah it's mad how the culture of a rugby team has changed over the last 15 years Mm. can you imagine if you said to Peter Clossy I'm doing a bit of meditation funny you
0: say that very funny you say that because um, Peter Clossy's wife Anna is a Reiki instructor and I used to go out to their house to do Reiki which is like a it's like an energy, uh, oh, geez, you're going to catch me out here. It's, it's working on your energy chakras, I suppose, and kind of clearing energy chakras so you're aligned is the, yeah. the simplest, uh, easiest way to describe yeah. it. But it was in his house, uh-huh. so I'd pull up to his house and I'd be <laughs> going into, into the room with, with his wife, and he'd be looking at me, going, who is your man? And I wasn't up to too much at
1: the time either. So, yeah, um, yeah I know it's changed. It's definitely changed. Yeah, so it's the same kind of, I know, um, uh, J.O. Jason Kierman would have mm. led... Um, mindfulness sessions, yeah. mindfulness meditation. What was that one called again? The, the, med- the just the mindfulness. No, the one you said there, the. Clauses. Oh, the Reiki. Sorry, the Reiki. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it all the same sort of thing?
0: Similar, yeah. It's just about, yeah. Well, as suppose well as mindfulness is just clearing your mind, and um and Reiki would be about specifically about energy and different energy points across your body and clearing them. um Yeah. So, Jo was, was kind of. First, first person I experienced in rugby to, to go down that route, and some people like it, some people don't. Uh, so it's not, it's not necessarily for everyone. Yeah. But if you, if you're, if you're into that and you're, you're looking to gain an edge in different ways, then having, having a try off, that's no harm. Yeah.
1: So it wasn't commercially minded from your perspective, thinking if I get into Reiki, energy, <laughs> energy efficiency, <laughs> I might get a deal with energy. No, not quite. No, didn't um, think that far ahead. So obviously, uh, like as you said, twenty eight, and uh, it's kind of, it's been a long time coming. Mm you've been kind of banging on the door obviously a lot of competition a lot of guys going well but you've been banging on the door for a while um, you know a little bit of a, obviously difficult kind of early 20s maybe mm. moving on from Leinster I can't really I can't remember you going badly for Leinster certainly mm. not badly enough to have to move mm. provinces but it seems like you've just rediscovered yourself tell us about that, that process of deciding to move somewhere else
0: yeah I actually nearly went to Munster straight out of school for for whatever reason I was a bit of a Munster fan growing up. I used to go to the some of the European games. With my dad and went. We me and him went down to uh, to Limerick when I was still in sixth year and had, had a look. Um, went around uh, the the campus and then we actually went into the last Limerick or the last Munster game of the season, one of the Pro Fourteen or whatever it was at the time, Magner's League. And Munster and all their wisdom brought me into the box where the academy lads were having a to brainwash you. It, no, to to no to where the academy lads were having their uh, their end of year night out. So I walked in, with my dad, like seventeen year old, coming there from Dublin, and the lads were all on the lash, and did not make me feel welcome at all. Oh really? <laughs> well, just like they were. Just, I think they. Because obviously I know a few most of the lads now. Just like hey, who's your man? What's he doing here? You know, yeah. it's not it's not necessarily the most uh, welcoming per se. Back then, anyway, Felix had obviously just done it, mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily like the Dublin lads coming down or the or the Leinster lads coming down. So. Driving back as a grade I don't think I'll do that. Um, so I stayed in stayed in Leinster for the first three years academy, and then three years with the with the senior team. And um, yeah, like you said, it wasn't necessarily gone bad. It was only twenty one when I when I decided to move. Um, I just had a good feeling. To be honest, with you. the Munster, Munster option came up, and um, I just had a good feeling to go. E C even called me aside, and I, I was telling him I was thinking leave. He said, "Listen, I'm retiring at the end of the year. This is when he retired the first time." <laughs> I'm retiring to India like, there's going to be op- op- more opportunities for you and I said listen it's actually not about that it's just about I'm, I'm just going with my gut here and I feel like it's the right thing to do and now it wasn't it wasn't an immediate success the first year was a very tough year we had a few injuries didn't go well and a lot of my opportunities and I think even looking back now I was almost naive to the fact that if that didn't go well over the first two years, you're now kind of 22, 23. There's other guys who are going to be coming up, homegrown guys in your position. You'll be out the door pretty quickly. So I didn't think about it in those terms. Luckily, the following year started quite well and, um, and continued on from there. But yeah, it was a, it was an interesting move. On paper, it probably didn't make much sense to, to anyone except for me, but I just kind of felt like it was the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, and then uh, you're saying obviously the Munster guys mightn't have been that fond of Lance guys coming up the road. Yeah. Um, did you feel like you had to make more effort to kind of buy into what they're looking to do? 100% you
0: had to prove yourself on the pitch and that was what that was probably one of the problems in the first year I thought that I had a few niggles as uh, at the time it just wasn't wasn't geling properly and I thought that I had to continue staying out in the pitch and not actually being smart about it and getting myself right and then going when I was right I thought if I was missing a session here and missing a session there I was going to be uh, the lads are going to think I was was enough for it and, and then that whenever you're kind of not doing those bits and pieces right then you start running into problems with you're not playing where you need to be playing at, you're not training you're training pretty poorly um various kind of problems you run into and that was was definitely a learning curve that first year
1: yeah yeah Grant um, so anyway, let's, let's, let's get into now, Six Nations, Ireland, things going well, obviously new, uh, new scenery uh, within camp with Andy mm. Farrell, um, uh, Joe was obviously a big fan of yours, um, I think he, he rated you pretty highly, I think mm. you seem to do really well in that environment, mm. um, but you've done even better in this environment, what's, what's the difference? Is it, I mean, for me, whenever I think of uh, an environment with Joe in charge, I, I it makes me ner- I get nervous like straight away. I get anxious and I'm thinking in particular of Wednesday night walkthroughs. Yeah. If you think a test match is intense, you should go to a Wednesday night walkthrough. I know. It was frightening yeah. and yeah, then there's yeah. all this nervous energy and mm. then afterwards you just kinda relax and yeah. t- but to be fair, I've never known a game plan yeah, more I know, like, yeah. better. You had to didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, you had to. You had to otherwise mm. it's mm. just so it's yeah. so embarrassing yeah. to get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. But is is there equivalent with uh, Farrell? no,
0: I'd say there's, there's just as much pressure to know, that you, to know your stuff does not, does not, it's not. Joe's gone right, lads. We can be looser with, with the detail. That's not the case. But maybe it's, um, maybe it's a bit more player driven. I suppose. If guys, you decide you don't know your stuff, which hasn't happened yet, it's not going to be acceptable to when you're playing for Ireland. That's just not. It's, it's not going to be good enough. So, uh, it's yeah, there's definitely been tweaks here and there. There's probably a bit more of a conscious effort to have a bit of crack, uh, enjoy each other's company a bit more, have a bit of crack after training, like getting lads to um, have drop-goal competitions. Yeah. It's just... Um, so,
1: how, do you, how, do, how does Farrell implement that? Does he just let it happen, like, naturally? Or does he say to a couple of lads, listen, I want a slightly more relaxed vibe, a relaxed atmosphere of at training? Yeah. How do how does he practice I don't know. It? I don't know, to be honest. I'd say, yeah, he's definitely...
0: With the leadership within the leadership group, they've had a chat. Maybe I'm just I'm having a punt here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, get the get the players feel on, on what they think needed to to be tweaked a bit. Because at the end of the day, it's it's the lads, it's the players who have to go out in the pitches, the players who are going to be driving the standards whenever um, whenever the pressure comes on in, in in big test matches. And if 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 we don't feel the responsibility, and if we don't feel like we're the ones that that the book stops with then it's kind of it's, it's, it's not done really right so having the responsibility across the board not just from your leaders but from 1 to 15 1 to 23 to to know to know their stuff to be say, say like we were we're looking to do a bit of kick we kicked a bit from the edge there the last day and just having that from a winger gone right if the ball shifts to me and we're in our in our 22 that the probability is if there's space in the backfield I need to find it not just alright I'm going to have a going to have a crack here it's it's a bit of a shared responsibility across the board
1: yeah, tell me about um, uh, another frightening aspect of, of Joe's regime, <laughs> but again, that brought the best out yeah. of us was the one, two, three, four drill.
0: Oh, yeah, the yeah. one, two,
1: three, four drill that's very misleading <laughs> calling it that because that <laughs> seems simple. Yeah, <laughs> but is there so obviously, Farrell's like he's nailing the the atmosphere piece, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being able to express ourselves yeah. and internally and, and kind of slightly more relaxed tone, but. Whenever it's time to crack the whip, and I'm sure with Johnny as captain, mm. there's plenty of times where are yeah, gonna crack the whip exactly as well. Yeah. How does he bring that intensity? Is there equivalent
0: of that? Um it's probably a bit more mixed. It's not as specific to a drill, I wouldn't think it's it's um, pressurized training moments. So if you're two teams running against each other and one of the teams has a line out we're, we're working with a real high tempo when the team has a line out and they mess it up nah, onto the next one turnover yeah. Do you know what I mean um, this is a knock on turnover it's just it's, it's probably not as as um, reset orientated it's yeah. just this, this, this is what a rugby match is going to be like there's going to be mistakes there's going to be errors and you want to go from attack to defence kickoffs, offs um, everything kind of meshed into one at a really high tempo and and a really high expectation of, of, of the of the execution of it all. So, yeah, like you're saying, it's it's probably not as specific to a drill to, to scare the bejesus
1: out of you as it yeah. is an expectation that the standard across the board is really high. Yeah, well, whatever whatever are doing, whatever the rest of you're doing, whatever you're doing seems to be working, so yeah. long may it continue. Yeah, nice one. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on
0: Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly.
3: Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.